Well, this is week three of our series, Voices, and we are looking at the people that we allow to have an influence in our lives. Um, you see, because we are bombarded by the thoughts and opinions of others all the time, whether it's at work, at home, from friends, from family, on TV, uh, the movies we watch, the music we listen to. We're just getting this stuff all the time. Everyone's got an opinion about everything. And now, thanks to the way communication is in our world, we get everyone's opinion. And everyone else in the world is now blessed to have yours as well. Aren't they so lucky, right? And so we have to be careful, though, of who we are listening to. Because one thing we've got to be aware of, and I hope you are aware of this, it's not really revolutionary, is that not all voices are equally helpful, and not everything they say is equally true. Uh, There is a lot of stuff that you get every day, especially from the internet, that is not true. Shocking, I know, right? And we have got to be people who have a filter, who understand that we can't just ingest everything that comes our way. We've got to be careful. And so regardless of your age, you cannot just take everything in. You cannot just be somebody who receives every opinion and is influenced by everything that you hear and see every single day. And so the point of this series is that you and I must choose carefully to whom we listen. You and I must choose carefully to whom we listen. And I've been a little curious since we did this, uh, since I wrote this through three weeks. Sandra, is that the correct usage of whom? Is, I'm, I'm so, I have no idea. I feel really bad. I, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm dead serious. No, is that, is that the correct usage of whom? Yes. Ha ha. Yes. You see, they stopped teaching English, like real English, in schools by the time I came around, so I like to double-check myself when the option arises. Now, we need, though, to be the type of people who are careful about the voices that we listen to. The people, uh, we are people who surround ourselves with others who are wiser, more mature, and that we filter out the voices that we know are harmful, the voices that we know that might give us bad advice, foolish advice, regardless of what it is Uh, regardless how fun it sounds, voices that tell us what we want to hear but neglect to tell us what we need to hear. Now, um, there's no way I can cover this entire topic as we go through this series. So what I've done is I've just kind of picked little snippets, uh, various stories and examples through Scripture to just give us examples of some voices we should listen to and some voices we should not. Uh, Today is a voice that we should listen to, a voice that I think everybody in this room needs in their life or needs to participate in this, and that'll be clear as we go through here. But here's the voice of today, and it's the voice of a parent. The voice of a parent. And some of you nod your heads, tends to be the older ones that are nodding their heads, and the younger ones are like, oh, brother, okay? Okay, so if you are younger and you think, oh, you, you don't even know. You don't even know what I have to listen to every day. I do, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. Now, um, this topic, the idea of a voice of a parent, has been very present on my mind for a while. Uh, one, I have boys who are of an age where they know that they have an opinion now, and they like to share that opinion. And I am constantly trying to convince them that their opinion doesn't matter most of the time. I'm sorry you don't like dinner. That's just too bad, okay? I'm sorry that it's 6 a.m. and you can't have candy. That's just too bad. I'm sorry that it's bedtime and you want to drink a gallon of juice. That's just not going to happen. I'm so sorry, my child, but I love you. But another reason this has been on my mind for a while is because, as some of you have already guessed and wondered, and some of you have asked and some of you have not, um, my wife is pregnant. Uh, So she is very much expecting, 
Uh, so we, uh, yeah, we're very excited, very excited. And um, usually we've told beyond this point, but uh, for some reasons we just thought, let's just let it hang. And some people have figured it out. Um, but we got to uh, actually go this past Thursday and find out that our world is about to be rocked because we are having a girl. So... And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but I had two two guys in this church who said, "Stop before you have a girl." So I'm not gonna name names, but I had two people simultaneously, very eagerly, give me that advice. Um, one who had a girl and one who did not. So I, don't, I guess I should maybe I should, maybe I should have listened to the voice of someone who was older and farther along, but I didn't. So that's where we are. So this is a very present on my mind that we are parents, and some of you are parents, have been parents, some of you, ha- most of you have parents in your life to some extent. And so what we're going to do is go into the book of Proverbs. We're going to camp out in the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs is written, most of it anyway, is written from a father to a son. And it's a book that's got a ton of wisdom, wise little statements in it. I like to call them fortune cookie statements because they're tiny and shareable and can fit on a little tiny slip of paper. But I don't like the fortune cookie name for most of the Proverbs because unlike fortune cookies, these are actually useful and helpful. Okay? They don't give you bogus lottery numbers or your lucky numbers. Okay, They don't tell you that, you know, hey, one of these days you're going to find success. Thank you, fortune cookie. I can't tell you how excited I am to look forward to that day when I find this mysterious success. Or, you know, tomorrow you're going to have an encounter that changes your life. Well, I've gotten plenty of those because I love me some Chinese food, and I've never had a fortune cookie statement come true. But I have seen these Proverbs play out over and over again in ways that do hold up. And so we are going to be in the book of Proverbs. And the reason I picked Proverbs, again, one, it's written from a father to a a son, but also um, the place... The voice of a parent, let me say it that way, the voice of a parent is intended to be wise, loving guidance. It is supposed to be that voice that I think everyone was supposed to hear. I think God intended for us to have this voice of a wise, loving parent speaking into our lives, not just when we're young, especially when we're young, but all the way through our lives. Now, let's go to those of you who are younger, and I'm going to answer the question that you're probably asking yourself every day. Why should I listen to my parents? Why should I listen to my parents, okay? Now, uh, and if you're going to have some pushback on some of this stuff, and I know some of you probably do, and maybe you think this isn't for me, listen, and then I got, a, I got something to say to that towards the end here. Um, but there is a one just huge reason that is so obvious if you are a parent, but it's also present in the book of Proverbs. One reason why you should listen to parents, and it's because parents have skin in the game. Skin in the game is a phrase that means they are invested in you. They care about you. When you succeed, they succeed. When you fail, they fail. When you hurt, they hurt. Parents have skin in the game. It isn't like you're just some stranger that they're trying to control and manipulate and ruin. Okay, Parents have skin in the game. That's just how it is. That is one undeniable truth. Whether it is physical pain or emotional pain, when you go through it, they go through it. And so the reason parents voice their opinion and it's so valuable is because they care about you. In fact, you will rarely find somebody in your life who cares as much for you as your parent. And so even if you don't like what they're saying to you, at least have the foresight to think they're saying this because they care. That was a thought that never went through my brain when I was younger. Never once. All I thought was, oh, you're ruining my life. 
you know, uh, you don't know what my life is like because you're so old, you can't possibly relate. Mom and dad, you've never been in love like this. You guys are so old and boring. The, this eighth grade relationship that I'm in, it's like Cinderella and Prince Charming, Mom. You don't know. You don't know. And I remember, and then like, you know, I get my license. You know, why can't I drive out of town? Why can't I drive into the big, a bigger city and drive around? Sure, I've had my license three days, but I got this figured out, Mom. You know, and I, I thought these things, and it's so dumb, okay? And I, and I, I, I don't know why I, I was of this perspective, and I'll get into that more in just a second. But the thing is, parents root for you. They are rooting for you. They want you to succeed. That, at least they should. And so the reason you should listen to parents oftentimes is they're not just giving you advice for your harm or to ruin your life. They're trying to speak to you out of love and encouragement and sometimes safety. Sometimes they just see farther down the road than you and they're trying to keep you from a very predictable accident down the way. Now this is something that you see very much in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 23 We'll start in verse 15. Um, Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, says this, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. Again, when kids succeed, parents succeed. He goes on, My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Now, for any parent that has ever been in the room, okay, those of you who are parents, let's say parents of kids who are grown up, okay, those of you that have parents that are grown up, has anyone had that moment where you, you know, after going through all the high school years and feeling like you were talking to a brick wall every time you talked to your kids, where they actually admitted that you were right? Has anybody had that moment? Anybody? A few of you have had that wonderful, wonderful joy, and for the rest of you, maybe it's coming? <laughs> don't, don't lose hope, okay? Okay, but, but there, there's that moment where your kids are right, and, and when you hear your kids say something that you have been impressing on them, all of their lives, or at least some of you, some of you, you had kids, and you said something to them, and the second the words came out of your mouth, you're like, I'm my mother, <laughs> okay? The first time I said the phrase, I'll give you something to cry about, I was like, oh no, I'm Dave Bliss, what happened to me? <laughs> like, I used to, oh, I used to scoff when he said that to me, I hated when he said that to me, and now I am him, Okay? <laughs> And so eventually, what they've told you your whole life, it rubs off. And as a parent, when you finally have been telling your kids wise stuff and it sinks in and you hear them say it back, it's such a joy. A little bit later in chapter 23, Solomon says this, The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who, or who's, a man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and your mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. May your parents be happy and joyful in you because that means that you've done well. They've guided you well. You've succeeded in various ways, not just in life, but in who you are personally. And, you know, again, nobody roots for you more than your parents. I'm 33, and my mom still worries more about my life than I do. Like, there's sometimes where my mom calls, she's like, have you done this? Have you done this? I'm like, yes, I've done this. I've, what is going on? I have lived on my own for 10 years. I have kids and a wife. I, I got it. Like, but she still is more worried about my life than I am because that just doesn't go away. And that's okay. I'm glad for it, okay? But just as it is true that parents celebrate when their kids win, it is just as painful for parents when their kids get hurt. He also says this in, in Proverbs 17. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. And the foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. When the kid suffers, the parents suffer. Now, some of you, you have adult kids, and 
they have chosen a path in life that is foolish, and they often repeat pain after pain after pain. They crash and burn at relationships over and over again, and you've tried to give them advice, and they just don't listen. And it seems to you that every time they make a decision, they must say, which one's the dumbest choice here? That one. I want to do that. And it frustrates you to no end, but they have their own life and their own path, and you're kind of, you've, you've given them all the advice and all the help you can, and that still hurts you, doesn't it? Even though their decisions maybe don't affect you, it just hurts you to watch them hurt because that does not ever, ever go away. And so even though they've grown, you, your, their pain is your pain. Now, for those of you who, again, are in the room and you're thinking, oh gosh, why did I have to come on church to church today? This is not what I wanted to hear. The potluck better be worth it after hearing this guy talk to my parent, tell me to listen to my mom. And I've already seen the elbows, by the way. I've noticed a little bit of this, and are you listening? I see, it. I see that, okay? But you might think that I don't understand that. Oh man, I do. I still, I still remember. I remember yelling at my mom. And I don't know why I got away with that, by the way. I don't know. I, the only reason I think about it is because my brother and sister were, were about 11 years older than me. So that by the time I came along, I think my parents were just too tired sometimes to, to you know, do what needed to be done. But I remember yelling at my mom, you don't know, or I know, I've got this figured out. And there were times when I just, oh, I was so mad at her for talking to me, giving me advice, for prying in my private business. And for those of you, you're on the cusp of adulthood, and you, you, are, you want to be independent, you want to know, uh, want to just go out there and know that you're doing it on your own. But let me just tell you, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. And, and, and I remember that, that, Almost rage, that frustration that you feel when they keep telling you what to do and you think, I know, I've got this figured out. Let me just say, again, they are saying it because they love you. They are saying it because they're farther down the road than you are. They are not trying to ruin your life. They are not trying to kill all of your fun. That is not their goal. They are trying to help you and guide you and root for you. And they're trying, oftentimes, trying to help you avoid mistakes that they made, that they made. I know my, some of my, one of the scariest talks I ever got from my mom. I mean, I remember to this day, I remember we were toe to toe. Like, my mom's like 5'3", but I remember being like, you know, terrified of my mom at this point. I was going into high school, and she kind of gave me one of those speeches like, don't you ever. It's because she evered years ago, and she endured, and she, it took her some years to dig out of that hole, okay? Sometimes they're trying to keep you from making the mistakes that they've made, and I remember that frustration, and I remember it so much so that to this day, even there's moments every now and then where I'm like, my mom was right. Like, it, it still hurts. It catches in the back of my throat a little bit. I don't like admitting that she's right. In fact, I'm more likely to say it in a sermon than to her face, I know she'll watch it online, but at least I don't have to admit it to her face, you know, you know, that she was right and my dad was right. Okay, so listen, I promise, listen, don't, don't be so resistant. You will, years later, you will think they were right. Be humble. I know you want adulthood. I know you want there and you're almost there, but you will be more prepared for adulthood if you open your ears, calm your heart, and you let them steer you when you need to be steered. And that doesn't sound fun to hear, but I promise that it's true. And maybe you won't listen to that because if I were your age, I wouldn't have listened to some bald guy at church say that, okay? I wouldn't have listened, okay? But hopefully, if you're smarter than me, you'll listen and you'll take that home and you'll think about it and you'll think, man, maybe they're saying some of this stuff because they actually care. 
Uh, the second uh, thing I want to kind of get into today is not just why you should listen to a voice of a parent, but what does a parent's voice sound like? So if you are a parent, have been a parent, uh, this might be some ideas for you to think, okay, do I do that? When I talk to my kids, when I talk to my grandkids, when I'm putting on this hat of parent for the lives of other people, are these things that I say and do? So these are qualities of the voice of a parent. The, parent, the voice of a parent excuse me, points you to God. Um, this is one of the things that I think we often miss most um, because there's things like youth group, I guess, and we think that's the minister's job. But there, you notice in the Bible, there's no youth minister, okay, that says, when, when your kid asks about sex, tell the youth minister to handle that. When your kid yells at you, ship him to the youth minister's house, he'll figure it out, he'll straighten him out for you. No, the, the, the role that you see over and over again in scripture is that the parents are that role. The parents are that guiding hand in all areas of life, even the spiritual ones. But for some reason, we shy away from the spiritual ones. I don't know if it's that, uh, you know, we think we're not qualified, we, if, if we're worried about the questions our kids ask. I mean, Again, my, about two years ago, James just got in a, a habit of asking these hugely deep theological questions, like, what's God made of? See, I went to Bible college, and I've read the Bible a lot of times. What is God made of? I don't know. Like, I don't know. How do you answer that? Like, I don't know what God's made of. And if any of you have a better answer than that, He'll, he'll be running in here after the service. Feel free to tell him what do you think God is made of. But he asked me these huge questions, and I don't know all the answers, but it's still my job to lean in and try to guide him as best I can toward his heavenly Father. In Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 1 and then jump down a little bit. Um, he says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, meaning if you listen and you take it to heart and you remember it, jump down to verse 5, he says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. And the Father says, if you listen to me, you will be getting God's wisdom because I'm trying to feed that to you. If you listen to me, you will hear the words and commands of God because I am letting God shape how I parent. And we have to be people. If you have kids, however small or large, we've got to be people who speak godly wisdom in their life and try to guide them to a loving relationship with their Savior. Because as parents, we can't just care about their grades. We can't just care about their uh, driving ability. We can't just care about how well they can swing the bat or shoot a three-pointer. We've got to care about their eternity. It's amazing how invested parents get in a few short, tiny little seasons. High school, junior high, man, we're all over it. We're doing all the things, but we don't have any spiritual conversations. We're leading our kids to every event, but we're not giving them any spiritual guidance in this pivotal time when they might be setting themselves up for their spiritual direction, good or bad. And then when your kids have grandkids, you know, then you start bugging them. Why aren't you going to church? Why aren't you going to church? Why aren't you going to church? When we never invested in them in that pivotal season. And it's, it's crazy to me, but yet it's so common. And most of it is, here's the thing. You are going to get reminders about taking your kids to practice. You are going to get invitations for every team, for every event. You are going to have people bugging you about that. Are you going to do them? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do this? Everyone is going to be screaming out for your calendar time, but there is not one person except for maybe the bald guy at church on Sunday who's going to ask you how you're talking to your kids about God. 
And the things that hound you are the things you often end up giving time to. That's just natural. That's how we do it. That's how I do it. I don't always mean to. So if we're going to be the kind of parents that are willing to invest in our kids' eternity, we have to take the lead on that. We have to take the lead on that. Ben and I are glad to help out when we can, but you have got to be that. We will never have as much influence or time with your children as you do. Parents, the first thing about a parent is a parent should be speaking Godly wisdom should be pointing their children, leading their children toward a relationship with Christ. Now, one that's not as much fun, parents must be the voice that brings discipline. Um, In Proverbs chapter 3, he's talking about God, but he uses a dad as an illustration to describe God. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son, he delights in. So he uses this example of a dad disciplining his son to describe God. And I think there's a nice little truth in there here. It's that um, parents give discipline. But I want you to notice something. Delight comes before discipline. Okay, Discipline comes from a place of love and caring. Uh, too many people see discipline as something that is entirely cruel and harmful. And, and you get uh, you know this more modern way of thinking that, you know, you let your kids figure it out, and you don't, you, know, you don't guide them. Maybe you save them from the worst of the worst, but for the most part, you just kind of let them figure it out. No, that's not, that's not what it is, okay? Good godly parents lay boundaries, put the fences up, and they keep them there. And sometimes that voice has to be harsh, and we have to say things and, and lay the law down with our kids, and it's not fun. And I always remember, man, as a kid, there's that one phrase that parents say to you is, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. When you're a kid, and... There's a paddle involved. Yeah, right. Yeah, like this is going to, okay, I know what this is getting ready to feel like. I know that I probably deserve it. I won't admit it, but I know it, you know. Uh, but it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And then I had kids. And disciplining your kids, whether it's timeouts, whether it's just getting mad and yelling at them, it's just like the most unfun thing. And now that James is getting five and he's in school, and I can kind of, you know, have, you can almost reason, sort of, you know, right, a little bit. There's times where I'm like, Stop it. I've told you two times. I don't want to yell. I don't want to scream like a crazy person. You don't want me to yell. You don't want what's going to come next if you keep doing this. So please stop. Because there, at times that discipline has to come in, and I don't want to do it. So much so that I know that, you know, given a bunch of warnings isn't great, but that's just natural because it's like I don't want to be that person. I don't want to step into that role, but because I love him, if there is a, a behavior or an attitude that is going to be dangerous for him, at some point you've got to put up a firm boundary and say, this has got to stop. But it's not done in cruelty. It's not done because something happened at work that I need to take out on somebody. It's not because my life is a shambles and I'm, I, it makes me feel strong or powerful. No, discipline comes from a place of love. In fact, that, that delighting in your children, I think that is probably the first thing that separates discipline from abuse. And some people don't know where that line is. I think the first place where that line is, is you've got to love your kids first. And discipline always comes from love. And it's not, I want to hurt you. It's not, I want to belittle you or shame you or anything like that. It's nothing like that. But it comes from a place of love. And parents, sometimes we just got to be that voice. And for some, it's more natural than others, but for some of us, it's not fun, and I don't think anybody thinks it's fun. It's just more natural for some than others, and some of you, by the way, I've had the joy of watching some of you parent, and some of you, you get so scary. 
Like some of you, it's like, I get nervous watching your kid get in trouble. It's like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, I just want to leave the room because I feel so awkward because it's like, oh man, they just like threw that dad hat on and it was awesome. Like, oh man, that mom voice. Some of you, you can snap at your kids and it's like thunder rippling through the room and they just like, and your kids, they know it. They know the rules. They know the boundaries. And that's okay. That's okay for that. All right? So the voice of a parent leads to God. The voice of a parent brings discipline. And the voice of a parent uh, brings wisdom as well. And that's one thing that I think we have to acknowledge. Okay? Everybody, if you've got a parent in your life, they're older than you. They've done more life than you. They've lived more years than you. That's just how it is. Now, let me do say this real quick. Okay? I acknowledge age does not automatically mean maturity. Age does not automatically mean wisdom. I have met some 70-year-old fools that just seem like they just never learned a thing their whole life, okay? And somehow they were still alive through probably the grace and kindness of others, all right? So I understand that. Not every parent is wise, all right? But hopefully, for the most part, parents are more wise than their children, um, and they are someone that we can defer to. So even though I'm 33, there's times when I ask my mom and dad, what do I do here? This is a spot in life I haven't gotten to. Where do I go? Like when, I, when we have a daughter, mom, oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Like all I know is wrestling. Okay, that's all I got so far as, parent, as dad skills go, right? What do you do with a little girl? Um, and so I will defer to them in moments like that. Um, one cool story I, had, I heard a while back and I've saved. Um, uh, there's a guy that plays for the Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers. His name's Darius Hayward Bay, I think that's his name if I'm saying it right. Um, he has made about $35 million in his football career. And you and I have heard of those celebrities and the st- athletes that, you know, made millions and millions of dollars, and then they're broke, you know, and you think, how does that happen? Well, he didn't want to be like that, and his mama sure didn't want to be him to be like that. And his mom, who was an accountant for 20 years, sat him down when he got that first NFL contract, and they set up a, an allowance system. So he's 29 years old right now, and he still works off of his mama's allowance system that she set up for him when he went into the NFL because he knows mama knows best in this area. Mama, the accountant, knows how to make it where I don't run out of $35 million. And so to this day, he is spending less than he makes so that every year his fortune will increase, not decrease, and end him up in the news headline with like, another one went broke. Okay? And so that we won't be going, what happened to that Darius guy? He had millions of dollars. Okay? His mama set him up with that. That's a good mom. She invested in him good wisdom, and he listened. That's the key. It doesn't matter how wise your parents are if you don't ever listen. And most of us, at least, will come to a moment where we will understand. Now, I can uh, point to a, about the whole book of Proverbs to back up this point here, um, but I, I'm not going to take the time for that. So if you want to write these down, these are just a few. In Proverbs 5, 1 through 20, it's a dad warning his son on the dangers of adultery. Uh, Proverbs, oops, okay, let me go back. Uh, Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, it's a parent pleading with their kid to get out of a deal that, uh, where they co-signed a loan for a friend, for a high-interest loan. And it's basically saying, your friend's dumb. Please get out of that deal. You're going to pay for it. Get out of the deal. Get out of the deal. Get out of the deal. Um, uh, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. It's parents warning their kids about what happens to lazy people. Okay? It's just parents giving their kids good, solid, wise advice that anybody would be foolish to not listen to. Now, all that to be said, that's what the voice of a parent is. That's why you should listen. Now, to the, let me say something to those of you um, acknowledging that the world is not perfect 
It's a rough place. And if the world were perfect, every parent would be present, every parent would be loving, every parent would be wise. But some of you, that is not your world. That's not where you grew up. And some of you, whether you don't have that parent through they left, through they passed away years ago, uh, some of you don't have a parent that is wise. And they're one of those people you just know they're going to be that 70-year-old fool and you'll be giving them advice. Uh, Some of you, uh, your parents just aren't loving. I don't know why. It's not you, by the way. It's not your fault that they were too selfish to care about anybody but themselves. But let me say this. God does something incredibly amazing in those situations, knowing that our world is not perfect. God loves us enough to try to fill in some of the holes that exist in this broken and imperfect world. Psalm 68.5 says that God is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God is a father to the fatherless. Excuse me. I listened to the testimony of a girl a few years ago, and her dad was just cruel. And he was, for whatever reason, very anti-religion in all its forms. And so, in in addition to just being kind of a cruel dad, she uh, started going to church with a friend, and he found out, and he put a stop to that, and he wouldn't let her go to church. He wouldn't let her have a Bible, even though she, you know, acted like she was living in, like, you know... a nation where the Bible's illegal and she would smuggle the Bible into her house. Uh, he wouldn't let her go to church, wouldn't let her talk about God, have those conversations with her. In fact, he just became enraged when she talked about those things and said, you know, she said, I didn't really have a dad. Even though my dad was there, I didn't really have a dad as I was hoped, you know, I think a dad should be. And she said for those years, while she waited to get out of her house, while she was kind of stuck living at home, she leaned on God as her father. She said, even though my dad didn't, so much love me the way I wanted. I didn't let that make me feel unlovable because I knew that God loved me and I let him be my father in that respect. Even though my dad wasn't somebody to be kind to because he wasn't kind to me, I let God direct how I treated people, not my father. God was a, she said he was a father to me when I felt fatherless. God can be that role for you. He can love you the way that no one else can. He can fill those gaps in your life where those relationships fall short. And in addition to that, I think another way God helps fill these gaps is he gives us each other. You you know, that's a cool thing, I think, about the church that we so often just forget. We come from all different walks of life. Like, you guys have experience that, uh, experiences that I'll never have and vice versa. We come here all different age ranges. We got people in every socioeconomic range. We got people in every age bracket. We've got people from both sides of the presidential debate. We got people from both sides of the, of the uh, political aisle. Okay, we've got people here from all different places. And when we have a gap, relationally speaking, Oftentimes, there is somebody in this building, in this church family, that can come along and maybe fill those shoes for you. And this is what I said at the beginning. I think if this, you think, okay, maybe you don't have kids of your own. Maybe your parents have passed on. I don't know. And you think, this doesn't apply to me anymore, okay? There might be somebody here who needs you to fill that role for them. There might be somebody here who needs the love of a mom or a dad, and they don't have to be biological, There are enough of us in this room to know that parenting is not exactly 100% have to be a biological thing. We've had enough friends or family, or some of you have been foster parents, you know that the love you pour out doesn't have to be based on somebody sharing your DNA. But you could fill that role for them. You could be that role for them in Christ. Because you might not have the biological ties, but we are united by the blood of Christ. Um, Abby and I talk about this all the time. We've got 
several couples in this church who play that role for us sometimes. Our moms and dad, they live three and a half hours away. They work. They got jobs. They can't come up here every, all the time. We have people who love us sometimes in the way that a parent would love us. And it's not that we're lacking that love. It's just sometimes we're lacking that proximity to our parents. And some of you fill that gap, and it's wonderful, and it's loving, and, it's, and we appreciate that. And I think you don't get that outside of the church. And so God is there for us even when you know, we're missing all of the things that maybe a parent should be in our lives. And so I do not want you to think that none of this applies to you. I think to some extent this applies to all of us. We all have people or gaps in our knowledge and wisdom that people probably in church could help fill for us. We all have shortcomings that we need people to come along and point out to us. Every now and then we need somebody who's smarter and wiser than us to say, stop it. I need someone probably every now and then to put on that mom voice or that scary dad voice and say, what were you thinking? I still need that, right? And some of you that are younger, we, we need to listen. We need to be listening people. I try to be a listening person, and I still don't want to listen. Uh, and I just want us to understand that God is the most perfect example of a parent. He wants you to have a parents in your life that love you, even if they're not your own biological parents. Our Father is so good and so kind and so loving, and you need these voices in your life. You need the voice of a parent in your life, or you need to step up and be the voice of a parent in someone's life. So don't neglect those roles. God has brought us together as a church, I think, in that beautiful, amazing way so that we can fulfill these places in, in each other's lives where maybe we're spiritually or physically lacking parents. Our God's good, and um, I'm so sorry for those of you that are young and you're going to go home and get an earful. Um, <laughs> moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, please be kind. Please be gentle. And yeah, that's all I got for that. Just please be kind and please be gentle because I know we don't want to listen to it sometimes. And uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll pray together. We've got a few more songs to sing, some prayers to pray. And then uh, your dreams will come true as we go enjoy the potluck. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to come together. And we thank you for this church. And we thank you for parents. And we thank you for being a God who loves us enough to be there for us and provide for us, even when maybe um, we've had sin kind of mess up our family. We've had sin kind of corrupt our home, and, and we don't have that role for whatever reason. We don't have that person. That, that We grew up without that. And some of us in this room are, are who we are because we've had other people step into those roles. I've heard so many heartbreaking stories of parents who, who were so rough on their kids and it was a grandma who came along and loved someone to Jesus. And it was a, a, a friend's mom who came along and loved him, on, loved him to Jesus. There was an adult at church who loved him to Jesus and loved him through, through college and through uh, young adulthood. And Father, there's so many stories of that. I've seen that played out in this church family. And I pray that we can be that kind of people for those that are here. I pray that we can keep that attitude that, that there are people here who, who we can offer wisdom to. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and, and there's people who can offer me wisdom, but i got to acknowledge there, there's people who are not as far down the road as I am, and maybe I can step into that role. I pray that you would help me to have eyes to see where I can serve your purpose that way. And so, Father, thank you for lining out very clearly what the voice of a parent should be. Help those of us in the room who are parents to be better at it. Uh, it's not easy. It's tiring. It's exhausting. 
Um, even when they're not, <laughs> not exactly yours, uh, it's tiring and exhausting. And I just pray, Father, that you would give us the strength to endure and the wisdom to know how to carry out your will in, in the lives of our kids. Thank you for this guidance. You're so good. Let you be our constant example of a loving and good father, a loving and good heavenly parent. Father, we are so grateful for all you've done and the love you showed for us through your son and the guidance you give us daily through the Holy Spirit. You're, you're better than we deserve, and I pray that that shapes our reality and our, our thinking every single day. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.